Hi, my name is Emma, and my co-host, Mike Coxlonger. Um, <laughs> welcome to Doing Our Best. Hi. <clears throat> this is a fucking serious episode. It is. We're trying something new here. First of all, introduce yourself. Right. Hi. Welcome to Doing Our Best, a very serious podcast hosted by Hannah and Emma. And we just hope that you are seriously out here. Seriously. For serious. Doing your best. For sure. <laughs> For sure. (laughs) Here's the thing. We're trying something different, friends. You know how a lot of the time we record at the butt crack of dawn? The fucking butt crack of dawn! And how we're actively losing it? Here's the thing. We're actively losing it at... 8 o'clock! 9 o'clock! With wine instead of coffee. (laughs) Honestly... It feels like a vibe. This is what I've always wanted. I... Same. Here's the thing. Is wine in the budget for the pod? No, because it barely pays for itself. But have you considered? Is it a tax write-off to get wine for the podcast? If it's our thing, it feels like it. Ooh. Oh, loophole. And the... You've seen the SNL skit about the poop hole. Yeah. The loophole is in the poop hole. Yeah. I think I should link that just for kicks and giggles. Shits and giggles. Mormon soaking. <gasps> okay. So Anyways. Okay. I've been getting yes, a lot hi. of... Go. I've, I've been getting a lot of... Uh, <laughs> Ads for Mormon sexual abuse <laughs> lawsuits. <laughs> I sure did check in with my fiance. He says he's fine. As far as he remembers. He did make a comment fine. of he's like, fine. if I don't remember it, then did it happen? And I said, isn't that the age old question I've been trying to answer for 24 years? 24 ripe ones. And then later on, he said that I was a good kisser. And I said, it makes you wonder what age I learned how. How are you doing today? <laughs> <laughs> Well, now that I have wine and I'm sitting in front of this podcast microphone celebrating Valentine's Day with you, so much better. Ding! I feel like you're going to hate that when you edit it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you're going to hear it and you're going to go, what the fuck? What were we thinking? Tinging our glasses? A heckin' shears? I'm angsty. No. I'm real pissed today. Not not this woman with blue hair. uh, This woman also... I was just told that I bring big dick energy to the table. Oh, you absolutely do. Did you not know this previously? I didn't know this previously. I didn't think that I toted around big dick energy, and I'm really just vibing off of that right now. Now, it was followed up with, Hannah, you bring big dick energy, but you can't back it up. And that's not what I'm focused on. Yeah. I'm focused on the I bring it. Is this based on what I just told you? Yes! Oh! (laughs) I'm feeling real special. I'd like to share this is that I was telling Hannah that I had a Galentine's night with two of my coworkers and we were talking about Hannah and how incredible she is. And they were like, yeah, no, she seems like she would curb stomp a bitch to which I said, no, ma'am, 
She's no. so soft and squishy. Have you considered she's just the little guy? <laughs> the amount of times that I've stepped in to a confrontation with Hannah, grown men screaming at her, and I just sidestep betwixt them. As you were saying, though, I come in real confident. You do. I come in like, I've got this. You come and then in you yell at me. Yeah. And I need Emma. I have been punched by a man in a bar fight. And Emma I'm, presents that she's just a little guy, but she is my backup. I did tell you that we cosplay as each other's true selves. And I believe that now. Yeah. I think that that is how it works. Here's the thing is when that man was yelling at you and I stepped in between you, I remember my knees being wobbly until I got in betwixt. And then I was like, oh, we're fighting now. I will cut you. The, the old man and I were fighting over the fact that he stole my fucking cell phone. Hold on. This has been such a random podcast. We gotta back already. it up. I think we do have to back it up. Here's the thing. What if this is the whole episode? It's just <laughs> derailing shit. I think that might be it. Here's the thing. Let me just go ahead and give you a warning. If you don't like it when we just like show up and talk about random shit, we did no research. There is no. Uh, I've researched this brain, this this noggin. And I'll it's tell you trash. that. But this is not like we're talking about something serious. No, this is just off the dome catching up. I missed you and your beautiful, beautiful face. Uh oh. Catching up. (laughs) So, anyway, this man, I feel like we've talked about this on the pod. We have to have. It was like one of, we hadn't hung out too many times before this, but someone like took your phone while we were at a local bar. And it was one of my first times meeting your husband. Like, I had only met him once, maybe. And I remember I was shit-faced and called your husband to have him track your phone. And I was trying to explain the situation. I was like, this gentleman appears to have um, taken taken your wife's cellular device. He is claiming in which that he has not, in fact, stolen your wife's cellular device. But this gentleman, we do feel strongly that this gentleman has, in fact, taken the phone. Tracking devices. Based based on sketchy vibes and whatnot. Anyway... (laughs) I just kept saying the word gentleman and like words that were not necessary. <laughs> Absolutely, and man. Poor poor Daniel is just like what the fuck? What's happening right now? Where's my wife? What's going on? And I'm like, this gentleman seems to have and he's like, put nope. my wife on the phone. <laughs> From that moment on, I was like, Your husband will never like me. And my Turns husband out we're best friends. loves her. <laughs> is it the tism? Yeah. It's a little bit of it for sure. <laughs> I really appreciate meeting you because I feel like ever since I met you and you were very open about the fact that he might have autism and then the journey of him finding out that he had autism and knowing from my childhood of like being diagnosed, but then my mom being like, no, no, we don't do that. Really let me awaken the fact of acknowledging it and then accepting it. And then it's become my whole personality. It has not become your whole personality because I'd like you to know you are separate than your diagnosis, but holy shit. It's a fun part of it. It sure is. It's a really fucking fun part of it. Actually, like, reflecting back, even in the podcast, like, we're almost at a year. Yeah, we're, we've done, like, 33 episodes. Yeah. I was telling my coworkers about this last night, and I, was, I finally told them about it. Obviously, when I first started this job six or seven months ago, I did not want anyone else to know. But I have gotten very attached to the both of them. And so we were, we had Valentine's night and you were invited, but you were not able to come. I was not mentally stable. Secondary to my child was needing me to be emotionally regulated. Terrible. So that once my child was emotionally regulated, loved and sleeping. It was time for you to regulate. I was to, yeah, I had to finally take the time that I deserved. 
to watch TV and regulate because I couldn't look a single person in the face without crying yesterday. That's and fair. I didn't I didn't cry, so I'm proud of you for that. Fuck yeah. Look at this big dick energy. Uh, uh, Flop. That was me just flopping my dick down. Uh let's let's tr- ch- nope, hold on. Let's change the trajectory of that conversation right quick to say that um let's have a let's have a depressing combo right quick. That I have become a little bit more open. I've always been very open about my traumas. I don't know where the line is. I don't know if that's the tism or just me. But I don't ever know where the line is, and I just tell people shit that I probably shouldn't. We have a podcast about it. Episode six should tell you that. <laughs> I love episode six, man. <laughs> but like, I don't know where that line exists. So I've I've always been super open about things, but there's more things that I've started to be more open with uh, with the people in my daily life. So even my coworkers last night, I told them about the gentleman from. Uh oh, it's circling back to the California. gentleman. Yeah. Yes. The, the one that sex trafficked her before she was 18. That sure her did her try. IUD. Yes. Sorry. Continue with your yes. story. So Weird. that uh, <laughs> that got brought up last night with my coworkers. Obviously, at Galentine's. At Galentine's. Man, this has been a crazy episode. <laughs> it was a crazy night. <laughs> I thought we were going to play like a fun little game and then we're talking about our childhood traumas. Wild. So anyway, another thing that I'd love to share is that... More recently, I have, even though I'm super happy, I'm freshly engaged, things are going good there, I still have outside stressors like work and the ridiculousness there. Family. Money. Finances are heckin' rough. Especially with planning a wedding, it just strains you even more. It's very frustratingly, like, delightfully devastating to be like, yes, I'm getting married. And weddings cost $10 billion, so that's awesome. Here's the thing. We're not going to spend that much. Obviously, right? Like, you're living within your budget, and you've got some bougie things that are within your budget picked Mm -hmm. out. But, like, even with that, there is no such thing as a wedding that is within the budget you've created now. Yeah. That was a conversation that Zach and I had recently where I just, like, burst into tears and was like, listen, I am so happy that we're getting married. But have you considered... That this is bringing up so much shit from the past, specifically California guy. Because as a 13-year-old, or whatever age during 13 to 18, where I was in that situation, I always told myself that I wouldn't be able to have things like getting married to someone else. Because I was always scared that this guy would send my pictures, or, or confront him, or tell him about what happened. And even though Zach knows, he knows all the details, he knows every dirty detail about it, it still scares me that he would reach out and insert himself into that situation. So that has been really triggering more recently, is just going back to that 13-year-old mindset of like, I don't deserve this because of what happened to me. Things like that. And then also, I think just like self-sabotage in the sense of I have these positive things going on. And it's so comforting to live where you're used to. Yes. And like, I more recently have had, I haven't self-harmed in years. But very recently, it has been such a strong impulse that it is difficult not to. And that's a difficult topic because like, I, I won't. And I can't because I have a fiancé that would notice those things because we live in sin, if you will. But I want to so bad 
that it hurts that I can't. And I I shared that with him of like, I, I'm not sad. I'm not like having a, a mental health crisis. I don't want to kill myself. I don't want to die. But also, I feel like I have to hurt myself to have some sort of control. I was just going to say, I wonder if it's like a control thing, like so many things outside of your life just or in your life just feel outside of your control, that it's just like a regaining control of your emotions type thing. I think that that's what it primarily was as a child. Is like I didn't have control of where I was going to be at my mom's or my dad's house. I didn't have control over what I got to eat. Food was very restricted. I didn't have control over what I got to wear or go. Or I had no control as a child. And I think that that is primarily the reason that I self-harmed, on top of the fact that the guy from California also punished me by making me self-harm and show him. So, like, all of those factors kind of fed into that as a child. And I think that now, I haven't been this happy ever. And I felt that way since I met my fiancé. But, like, especially after getting engaged, it has hit this new level. It's like a, it's like an achievement in a video game. Like I've never been to this point in the game. It, I think that I genuinely feel more com I just spit everywhere. Yum. You're welcome. Um <laughs> I think that I am just the way that I told my sister about this cuz I've been open with my sister. I even opened up to my mom cuz I talked to her recently about this. It's like I think that I feel so strongly. I don't know if it's because autism or just neurodivergence or just who I am as a person whatever emotion I'm feeling is so strong if I'm happy I'm over the moon if I'm angry I want to throat punch someone Mm. if I'm sad I want to die and I think that so much of my life as a child was spent in that sad I want to die living in that extreme that that was my normal and I feel comfortable there yes I feel safe and There are even times where, like, there's a minor inconvenience and I get mildly sad. And I actively put myself back in that mindset when I feel myself slipping back to happiness. That I'm like, nope, I have to feel this all the way through. And that has been something that is very active within the last, like, month or two. Of just, like, actively trying to talk myself back from that repeating pattern. Good job. Thank you so much. Like, that's... Huge. Yeah. I'm so impressed with you. I'm so sorry you're going through it. But, like, can you just picture you're going through it eight months ago versus you're going through it now? Here's the thing is that I don't remember when it was, but it was within the last several years. I had already known you. I think that we had already left our previous job. I had a really bad depressive episode where I remember I was in the kitchen cooking. I think that my fiancé was gaming And had no idea that I was down. Like, he knew that something was up, but I wasn't telling him. I wasn't confirming or denying. I was definitely denying. Let's be real. I was... Yeah. He asked if I was okay. And I was like, I'm fine. (laughs) And I went to go cook. And I remember chopping something up. And, like, I don't remember what sent me over the edge. But I just 100% snapped. And I grabbed a knife. And I, without thinking, shoved it at my arm. And I caught myself when I was way too close. But it was like, it it scared the shit out of me because it wasn't like I had planned it. Right. It was just out of nowhere, grabbed it, did the motion. Like a disassociative move. So fast. My self-harm almost always happens when I'm disassociated. Mm -hmm. 
I feel as if when I'm like with it and I'm in it, I am able and regulated enough to talk myself off of that ledge. But when I'm in one of those depressive moments where I just need to gain control, it is because I have lost control mm-hmm. that my body says, panic at the disco. <laughs> this is the time. This is it. Have, have you, you considered, considered gaining control? <laughs> Holy shit. This is how we control it. Yes. And then instead of focusing on whatever the fuck it is out there that causes me pain, I know exactly what it is. Mm-hmm. Now I can deal with it, function it, fix the problem at hand, and I am successful and I've done it. Woo. Woo. <laughs> I think for me, I remember as a as a youth when I would self-harm, this is, I'm so sorry, this has become a very depressing episode. I know that we're already this far in. <laughs> Trigger warning. Um, <laughs> uh oh. So sorry. Um, is this, wait, is this yikes. a depressing episode? I'm <laughs> loving it. <laughs> Fuck. Well, on on the topic, what I was going to say is on the topic of like me being more comfortable in that depressive state and feeling that feeling because it feels more comfortable. As a youth, when I would self harm, this is about to get graphic. I never cut super deep. It was more of a surface wound to see the blood, to see that I had the control. I never, like, sliced deep enough. Same. But I sliced enough to cause blood and a mark, and I do have scars. I am telling you that because I did it just enough that when I would be in gym class and sweating, that it would make them sting, and I would go right back into that mindset. That's what I liked about mine was the afterwards. Because it was like, A constant reminder that you're in control. Yes. It was, it took me back there. I am in control. But I'm also thinking about why I did it though. So that comfortable, depressive mindset, which a lot of people would say is that I am, I'm trying to think of how to word it. People that want to be sad and wallow in it. Emo kids? Okay. (laughs) Is that not what you meant? That was not the terminology. (laughs) Okay, you were talking about something very serious. For sure. Um, (laughs) For sure, for sure. (laughs) I don't know how to word it. I have had people that I've talked to about this say that I'm essentially wallowing in self-pity. That's what I was going for. Perfect. That's what I was getting at. Actively wallowing in my self-pity and that I should just move on. But here's the thing. That was my most comfortable and is. As a 24-year-old adult, it's been... 11 years since I started self-harm. Like, I still prefer to be in that mindset. It is comfortable. It is safe. And I, when I have any sort of small, sad moment, I want to sit there. More, if I'm happy, I want to get the fuck out of there. It's uncomfortable. It is foreign. No thank you. I think you sit in sad and I sit in angry. (laughs) I also sit in angry. (laughs) That's Uh another thing. When I was talking to my mom about this, I was like, she she said something of like she was talking about my stepmom mm-hmm. and she said that she had such a dark soul. What the fuck? Yeah. Fuck right off with that. Oh, I'm gonna I just hold on. Yeah. I got a tangent. I wish it would. My parents used to tell me all the time that they knew my heart issues and that they knew the issues of my soul and that God and them could tell what my motives were. And I can't tell you how much that just pissed me right the fuck off. Bitch, you don't know my heart. Let me tell you that I picked this halter top that showed my boobs because I liked the color, not because I'm a slut. Yep. But you're telling me in my heart and soul you just know I'm a slut? 
Get wrecked. right off. Get wrecked. In that direction of off. I can't, like, so many times my choices were questioned because they already knew my intention. And my intention was rarely whatever they thought it was. Probably because I was an ADHD kid with no medical or uh, physical help Mm -hmm. dealing or coping whatsoever. Of course they thought they knew my intention. When my intention truly and really was, oh my God, help, sparkly, and help. (laughs) (laughs) Help me, the sparkles. A couple couple of things based on what you just said. First of all, I remember when I first told my mom that I was self-harming or that she found out. I don't remember how she found out, if I told her or if she just discovered it. Genuinely don't know. But I remember her asking me, are you sure you're not bored? My parents said, are you sure you're not just attention-seeking? One of the best things things that I learned in therapy was attention-seeking behavior is not attention-seeking behavior Like, it's exactly that. It is connective-seeking behavior. Mm -hmm. Those are kids looking for a connection. They are looking for fucking help. It is a last cry of help. It's not just someone that already has love and support wanting more and more. Like, no, no, no. Don't look at that. These are basic needs not being met Mm -hmm. that a child is reaching out for connection. So if your kid is cutting themselves... It is not a cry for attention. It is a cry for, I am not getting my basic needs of food, shelter, water, and love met. Mm -hmm. And it should be therapy for you and the child. Yes. Looking back, there's a lot of times where it just hits me in my normal day-to-day life where all of my needs are being met. Bathing often, I have food on the table, three meals a day. I have access to a warm bed. I have a... Yeah, fucking loved. A normal schedule. I have love and affection and reassurance given to me without prompting. Like, it just happens. Wild. I know. And then, like, out of nowhere on a Tuesday at 2 p.m., it'll hit me that as a child, food was withheld. I never knew when my next meal would be. I I didn't have a warm shelter all the time. I had a roof over my head, for sure. Was I always on a mattress? Did I always have blankets and pillows? No. Sure didn't. Did I have supportive people around me? Nope. Did I have people that believed me when I said that things were happening? Nope. nope. Nothing. It, I, I didn't have access to a shower for a lot of the time. I was... I was ab- Here's the thing. It's coming to terms with the fact that at 24, I was abused as a child. It is not entirely it was not entirely intentional on my parents i genuinely believe that they thought that they were doing what they should isn't that even more frustrating it's so some fucked parts? up and because also that's what i deal like is same yeah same right like i'll be checking in a patient or a customer or whatever the fuck you want to call them and then trauma yep and you're just like, dude, like, you're chilling, you're cruising. Why the hell did this man remind you that you are worth nothing and that you should die and that if you put his head into this machine, he's going to turn around and punch you? Like, why are you he's there? He's going to scream at you. Why are you there? And what the fuck? Also, with parenting, mm-hmm. I'm there almost 24-7. I don't know how asleep, you do it. Then I'm good. Mm-hmm. But needing that, like, break and needing to be able to manage that has been difficult, like, expectedly so. But parenting them isn't difficult. 
it's reparenting myself the way I deserved that's difficult. Well, so on that topic, like, looking back, specifically with my, honestly, with both of my parents, I think that they had a lot of unresolved trauma Mm -hmm. that they took out on us. Mm -hmm. I think that I... Watching you raise your kid is also healing my inner child because my parents took that out on us and never once looked at themselves. And I actively see you and your husband looking at yourselves and trying to think, how can I do this better? How would this have affected me? How is this going to affect them? Why am I reacting this way? How do I want to react? How can we express this in a way that is going to be safe and healthy and, and not eff- be a part of their identity. Yes. I can't tell you like this is where I see my trauma is in my kids age mm-hmm. and it's so prevalent like prevalent. What is that word? Prevalent. 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 Wow. We I'm did leave great. that whole thing in. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. It's Puff. so prevalent. prevalent. There it is. <laughs> that I can tell that We're at this cusp of, like, we have the ability to help them form their identity. And when they came to us, they were very much so teetering between, I am a bad kid. Mm -hmm. I cannot listen. I I don't deserve good thing. But I deserve to be physically, corporally punished. Yes. I deserve to have bad things happen to me. And this is what was meant to happen because I am inherently not a good kid. And we have been trying so hard to change that narrative because this is that age where that narrative is painted. And especially if you're dealing with a neurodivergent kid like myself was, Mm -hmm. well, sometimes you deal with kids, deal with, I hate that. Sometimes you get to work with kids Mm -hmm. that are like inherently against no, right? And I was very much so like, you tell me no, I was saying, like, you tell me no, fuck you. Absolutely. But there's different ways to say it, right? And so learning and creativity, parenting is just creative. That's all I've learned. It's like the more creative you can be, the better, because you don't want to just focus on what's easy. Mm -hmm. You want to focus on what's different. Like for me, I want to do almost everything different. Mm -hmm. And so that means what comes easy to me isn't isn't the method I use. Immediately, what comes easy to me, I skip it and I try to become creative And then I help them create an identity that lets them know that this age group, it's okay to just learn. Mm -hmm. In fact, mommy and daddy learn every fucking day. (laughs) Not like that, but you know what I mean. It's every fucking day. And it's totally chill to make mistakes. It's totally okay to say, I've messed up because that's how you learn. And you're busy growing new neurons, new synapses in your brain. And while you're busy doing that, you're growing. And that's okay. What, they are my favorite person to correct. What's wild <laughs> to me is like their their age is an age that I think is very common for abuse to be very strong. It's that age where they start questioning everything, which well, is what you want from your kid, well, right? What I was going to say is like 
especially with sexual abuse for children, I feel like happens a lot at their age. And I think that the adults that do that are under the impression that they aren't going to remember. But the the thing that I was going to bring up with that topic is that they came to you at this age, they are already completely programmed to what they were already taught for the years before them, which is not many, not many fucking years. And the things of like corporal punishment, being told that they're bad, has ingrained so far in them that even though they are completely removed, they are so brainwashed into this idea that I'm a bad kid, I deserve to be hit, I deserve to be punished, I am bad, blah, 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 that it has taken this long and there, it's still a process, and it's going to be a process. It's going to be a process for life. But, but I'd like to... Oh, sorry. Sorry. But the adults that are that have abused kids in that sense that are like, oh, they won't remember. They won't know. Their genetics will remember. Like, mm-hmm. they will inherently f- remember their fear that you brought them. They might not remember the actions. They might not remember the exact words. They might, like, luckily, their brain might erase some shit. I feel like some of us know. Luckily, our brain will erase some shit. We can talk about but, that. You want to? Yes, I think it might be time. I think I might have already talked about it on the podcast. You've mentioned that you're really firmly considering something that happened to you and that you haven't come to terms with it. But if you've come to terms with this reoccurring thing and you're ready, I do. I've, yeah. I've kind of come to the mindset of that whether it did or did not happen doesn't change who I have become as an adult. True. Regardless of if it happened or if it didn't, I am still the same. I think that, like, I'm still going to wake up every day and I'm still going to go to work. I'm still going to be a silly little goofy goose. Mm-hmm. I'm still going to love my fiancé. My fiancé is still going to love me. Mm-hmm. I'm still going to have my friend group and my safety net. However, I I will never know for sure, and that is something that has taken me... A long time to come to terms with. Essentially, let's start from just like the beginning of when I first thought about this is that I have always had these recurring nightmares of my father and thinking that he may have done something to me. Little flashes. And the thing that had made me realize that it may not have just been a recurring nightmare is that it is always the same scene. There are also vivid memories that I remember awake that make me kind of have more questions. So I remember when I still lived in Tennessee going to Moose, uh, my family friend that I lived with for a while. Damn, you did make this a depressing episode. You're welcome. Thank you. (laughs) And uh, they do tarot. And I didn't want them to know anything. And I just came in and was like, I just want you to do a reading for me. And he started pulling cards and started reading them. And the cards said, you're pretty fucked up about your father. And I said, "Uh uh-oh. And he said, what's going on right now? And I just started sobbing. And I opened up that I have had these reoccurring nightmares and reoccurring questions where I don't know, but I think that he did something as as a young child. I think that I was probably younger than your kid, but I don't know for sure. I remember the apartment. I don't remember what age I was at that apartment. But we moved so frequently that I think that if someone actually... I'm sure that there's a timeline that could be made. I just don't know it. I think that I was small. 
but I think that I may have been raped I, by your father. By my father. Again, I don't know. Um, yeah. I do have vivid memories of being really young, and I remember my dad kissing me on the mouth a lot. And I remember one day... I actually think I did just taste vomit. Yeah, you're welcome. I'm really... That was I'm not so it for me. Trigger warning. Go for it. We already said that 17 minutes in. I'm so sorry, Hannah. Fuck. I do very... Continue forward. Vid- vividly remember my dad saying, you know, that's not how adults kiss. And I don't remember anything after that. I also remember one time laying in bed in one of a different apartment... And him spooning me and me being paralyzed and feeling so, so uncomfortable. I was laying on my back and I remember him like spooning my side with his leg and arm over me. And I remember being extremely uncomfortable to the point where I wanted to throw up, but I didn't know why. That, those are the two memories that I know for sure happened that I remember in vivid detail that I know are not a question. But I don't remember why I was so uncomfortable. I don't remember what happened after the kissing comment. I don't remember what happened before that. I just know that those are core memories that have always stuck with me. And I know the emotions that I feel when I remember those two things or my reoccurring nightmare. Those things combined, once I told Moose, uh, he made it very clear of like, here's the thing. You may never know. But based on the strong visceral reaction and emotions that you're having I think something happened now here's the thing and here's why I'm bringing this up is that I went to therapy after this I did electromagnetic therapy my therapist wanted me to start slow and I dove right into that and they said we're not doing this anymore (laughs) that is too big We talked a lot about if I should do anything about this, and I don't know. That's my answer. I don't know what to do because I don't have facts. I don't have for sure statements. I have big boy feelings. I have a reoccurring nightmare, and I have two inappropriate but not illegal memories. Right. They are memories that may lean towards something may happen or may have happened, but they are not facts. So here's what I'm saying. I don't know. I don't know for sure. But those memories stick. They The emotions and the feelings, they are there with you constantly, and it's partially the reason why you severed your relationship with your father. Yes. It's very strongly a part of why you never felt comfortable with him or his family. I remember after talking to Moose about it, I saw him a handful of times. And I remember that he tried to hug me and I got very nauseous and uncomfortable. And family members made comments about my face when he hugged me. It was a very intense, I hate this feeling. I'm not saying that he did or did not. And that's why this has been such a weird topic for me, because saying this on the podcast, I feel like people will have an opinion. And it's not something that we can know. The only thing you can do is exactly what you've done, is distance yourself from them, keep yourself safe, and get GTFO. But what you do to children matters. That was the main point of this. And they do remember everything, and they they should. Oh, yeah. Because you should be treating them right. (laughs) 
even though I don't remember for sure, there are feelings that have lasted 24 years. Yeah. There are nightmares that have lasted 24 years. And there are questions that have lasted that long. And I don't know if I blocked things out to protect myself or if it genuinely was just normal, debatably normal, like crossing a boundary, but normal-ish, but not full-on. Inappropriately normal? Yeah. What the fuck? I think that there are so many predators that just tell themselves they won't remember, they won't know. And hi, I'm Emma. I'm here to tell you, I think that they fucking might know. Pretty sure they do. Pretty fucking sure they're gonna know. Hi, I'm Hannah, and I'm also here to tell you that they're gonna fucking know. Hey, um, I'm Emma, and I just wanted to ask you, what's the difference between a hormone and an enzyme? Whoa, I don't know. Can't hear an enzyme? Shit. (laughs) Thank you, co-workers. This episode is off the wall. (laughs) It's off the fucking charts. (laughs) Last night, when I was telling my co-workers about uh, the guy from California... Once I finished, the silence was so deafening, and I was just chuckling. I said, hey, you guys want to tell me a joke or something? Anything? You guys want to talk about anything at all? And they're like, I'm just so mad right now. And I'm like, no, 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 no. 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 Oh, actually, speaking of California guy, we did kind of want to pose a question to the audience. We discussed it with uh, my husband, Daniel, the business manager. Okay. Dan, the Daniger. And we'll post this on Facebook, too, so that we can actually do a poll. Yeah, you need to get your shit together. I know. I'm so sorry. Okay. (laughs) So the question, uh, if you recall from me opening up about my trauma from being 13 to 18, being groomed by a man from California who started out, just as like a recap, uh, started out as saying like, oh, my wife has cancer and I just want to talk to someone. I don't have anyone to talk to. Recap. Groomed me up to the point where I was like 14 and was like, we're in a committed relationship. And then talked me into sending pictures and all that fun stuff. As well as self-harm, as well as threatened her family and herself. Real real innocent, normal stuff. Yeah, super chill. Here's the thing. So near the very, very end, he ended up meeting a woman his age. And I know this because I have seen her Facebook profile. I have seen their pictures together. I, at one point after being removed, he was still reaching out and I said, like, I'm going to tell her everything. And he told me, oh, she knows everything. Um, She had a similar relationship when she was a child. She knows how it goes. Like, did like really dumbed it down of just like, no, this is super normal. She went through this. She knows uh, what it's like. So I never told her. And it. Sorry. Let's see. I'm so sorry. No, I love it. It's been six years now since we officially, I officially severed removed that myself. relationship. And I can sever that predatorial ship. Yeah. Sorry. Fun fact. So when someone on Facebook Messenger messages you, whether you're friends or not, uh, you still see when they're online. Not on Facebook, but on Facebook Messenger, the app. Okay. Okay. So I still see when he's active. And I sure have cyber-stalked him. I feel like that's the least I can do when he physically stalked me. Um, And I know that he is still with this woman. So here's my question uh, to the audience. Would you message her now? Yes. Even though it has been six years. On a fake account? Okay, well, that's the second question is on my own account or a fake account. Your husband did bring that up, and I like that idea better. So savvy. My, but... The other question is, like, if I was the only one that he did that to, then it's clear who I am, regardless of the fake Yeah, but I don't think you were. I also don't. But do I message her, tell her, like, hey, you're 
significant other messaged me as a child, I just want you to know this is who you are dealing with. I'm very sorry. Because I but know you need to know. You need to know. This is not a physical attack on her. I'm not salty. I just think that she deserves to know that her partner that she sleeps with is a fucking chomo. Is a child predator. I am going back and forth on this because I am concerned that if I reach out, that I am now inviting him back in. Not in a sense of like, I want you to message me. But I think that if I message her, she's obviously going to confront him. And especially if it's from my own account, he is going to immediately lash out and message me. If it is from a private account... And I am fake the, hidden account. Right. But if I'm the only one that he did that to, or he immediately assumes, he's still going to do that. Yep. If I am not the only one that he did this to, which I assume I am not, then You're there's confident on it. There's potential that he will not lash out. I don't want to put myself back in that. Yeah. Intentionally or not intentionally. Ever. But I also feel like she deserves to know. And I think that obviously I think that I was just young and naive when he told me, oh, she knows. I think that that's pretty stupid of me. I think that there's no fucking way that she knew and would have stayed with him. You would hope. I sure would hope. So I, that's, Or is that just being naive and hoping? Yeah. So that's the question. Do I tell her um, or do I continue to guard my peace and just deal with it on my own? Yeah. It's a great question why, to or, to the audience. Why not? Why the fuck not? Because I think about it often. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the, f- the frustrating thing about trauma is every time you're doing okay, every time you're doing great, it just pops, just pops the fuck up. Does whatever the fuck it wants. It sure does. The, the good thing is if you vote yes, I still have the emails. I still have pictures. I still have videos. I have evidence. Vi- I have evidence of him when at the very beginning when he worked in a child's school as a janitor and he jerked off into the sink in a child's classroom. Oh my god. I this is why I think you should. Have like I think you proof. should just go to authorities. Here's the thing. You I have, did. haven't you? I yeah. went to the Tennessee Bureau of Investigation. I gave them I signed consent forms, I gave them my login info. They had access to my emails, they had my account names, they had my logins. They knew his name, date of birth, his Facebook profiles that I knew of. He knew they. I told them everything when I told my mom. She took me straight there, and we told them everything. And I never heard back. And I contacted them several times since then, um, over one or two years, and they never had an answer, and nothing ever came of it. And I can tell you that he sure wasn't punished because he is still actively posting. He is still actively having an outside-of-jail relationship with a woman. I was able to tell them where he worked. I was able to show them the videos and all of that. So fucked up. It was so upsetting because he had told me for so long that I couldn't go to authorities because I was doing illegal things by taking those photos. That I was doing child pornography regardless of the fact of why. That I was being blackmailed. That I was being put in these situations, that I was groomed, that I was a child. But he told me that if I told authorities or if I told my parents that I was the one that would go to jail. And as a 13-year-old, I I don't fucking know. And I didn't have anyone else to tell me, Emma, that's dumb. Emma. Emma, you're being groomed. That's dumb and you were being groomed. Uh Uh-oh. Love of my life. Uh Uh-oh. 
<laughs> I hate this man. And this is why I want you to tell her. Yeah. Not because of you, but because I know he's still doing like he's still doing that. My biggest concern has been if they have kids. Because they've been together since then. Since I turned 18. So are it's been, those kids safe? They don't have kids now. Thank God. That I know of. But my concern is what if they have kids and they become victims? That has always been my concern on top of what if he is still messaging people. What if he is still creating victims with other people's children? Okay, I can't even fucking imagine the rage I would feel. I know that here's the thing. When I turned 18 and I told my mom, hey, there's I'm getting energy. I'm getting on a plane, I'm going to California to see this man. And she flipped the fuck out and called the cops, told them I was underage, even though I technically was 18 that day, and called all the surrounding locations and told yeah. them there's an underage girl that might run away and she might try to use your phones. And then when I inevitably ran away and tried to use their phones, they told me no. I thought she was fucking crazy. I thought she was off the walls. And here's the thing she is. But in that case... That was like the one valid thing she did for you, man. I would tie that child to a bed to keep them in this house if I thought that there was imminent danger outside the door. And that would be unhinged. And but it is unhinged. It but is, I do it. But I do it. Yeah. Because absolutely the fuck not am I going to let you walk into danger. Am I going to actively watch you leave safety. Into a sex trafficking Into trade? what we are 100% sure is sex trafficking. 100% sure where you're going to be abused and potentially murdered. Absolutely not. I would burn no. this house down. You will stay here. Yeah. Ha 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 that's not it here's the thing here's <laughs> that's not it have you considered i'm considering it right fucking now i get it now yeah that's not even my child i, well, I, I am, know i'm first of all not blood related by any means but all but on top of that I'm not even a part of the family. You're the aunt. I am the adopted aunt. No, is you what's are. Happening. Let me tell you that an adopted child is just as much as a fucking child as an adopted aunt. I hear it. I will get upset with you if you undermine your position as the auntie in this relationship ever again. I just... I've, you are by blood the aunt of this child. I can't even imagine when they're older them telling me like... My significant other was rude to me or, like, tried to My significant other punched me. <laughs> oh. <laughs> you ever get viscerally angry with these made-up scenarios? Yes. <laughs> I'm sweaty. <laughs> Absolutely not. Here's the thing. When they, are, when they are 21 and they go to a bar, you better believe I'm going to be in a trench coat with a fake mustache on in oh the background. God. I literally and if can't I see, wait. if I see one person act a fool near them. I literally can't it's wait. It's fucking over. I'm chucking a beer at their head. I'll come out of the shadows. Let me, so the fears that I have had with parenting have been so different than what I thought they would be. <laughs> One, am I just an anxiety-riddled parent? Yeah! Oh? <laughs> it is terrifying to let the little human being that you love so much go and experience life? Are you kidding me? It's so mean <laughs> out there! It's awful, man. 
Like, it's fucking awful. It's That's scary. not what gets me. Uh-oh. <laughs> That's not. I'm fine with them experiencing life. Mm-hmm. So, first of all, listening ears and children. <laughs> <laughs> they're gone. They don't work. So. Do you ever watch Miss Rachel with them? No, they're too old for that. That checks out. Yeah, but I really love Miss Rachel. <laughs> Just for yourself. Yeah. <laughs> She's so calming. <laughs> What I mean is, we're playing. We're at the park. Say the kid has to go pee. Mm-hmm. Okay. As a parent, I am looking in that bathroom first before I allow that child in there. Mm-hmm. I don't care if you don't want me with you. Like, that's, I don't give a shit. I'll be right outside the door, but you better bet I'm looking in these stalls before you go in here. Not only for the fear of a person, but also, like, what if there's a needle? What if yes. there's... A raccoon. A feral raccoon. A feral ferret. (gasps) No. I don't know. A toilet feral ferret. These are the things that have gotten me. Yeah. So now we go to the fucking bathroom and I say, child, please do not run into the stall without me. Let me look first. Mm -hmm. Because we've practiced on listening to our body and we go when we immediately have to. Do you ever get scared of toilet snakes? Yes. (laughs) And so do they. (laughs) (laughs) But that's what I mean by, like, I'm okay with life, but I'm not okay with life outside of their control. I want to vet it first, make sure it's decently safe before they go in there and experience it on their own. I just don't want to let them into the situation where I know that there's a potential for them to be seriously hurt beyond therapeutic repair. That's fine. <laughs> toilet snakes, for sure. Toilet snakes are fine. That would do it. I'm not even mad about toilet snakes. No! They don't exist. Can I tell you something right quick? Yes. Um, I remember early on in the relationship, I think I was talking about scary toilet snakes. And my sweet, sweet fiance told me that what he was scared of was toilet spiders. And that before he'll sit down on the toilet to poop, he'll check under the seat for toilet spiders. Sometimes, especially as a celiac poopy girl, mm-hmm. I, uh, when I'm sitting on the toilet for far too long, I self-freak myself out. Yeah. I'm like, oh my god, this is when the toilet snakes will get me. Yeah. This is when they will come up from the very bottom of the basin and go inside of me <laughs> or bite me. And both are extremely terrifying. So I will be shitting myself on the toilet as an, as an adult. As an IBS girly, <laughs> I don't ever have time to check the seat. <laughs> it is. I don't. I'm actively shitting as I'm <laughs> panicking about the snakes, man. I'm not checking up first. I'm just going and terrified. You just have to <laughs> consistently keep pooping so they don't have a chance <laughs> to enter. The videos that I remember the California guy sending me was a porn of a, like a live snake going in someone. And that has been a fucking fear because if yep nope hannah's actively losing it actively losing it imagine being 14 and being like what that's not for me what is happening i have a little i wish that i had video because you could see just how repulsed i am by this because i can't even look we will listen to a lot of smut and none of the smut. Oh, that's is a snake porn boundary. <laughs> that's a big boy ick, is what that is. That's a not okay. You know what's not okay? That poor snake. He didn't know what he was being invited into. He was just in a damp, cold environment. Mm-hmm. I hate that. Probably warm. 
Imagine that you're the person that sold that person that snake. No, the yeah. snake papa? Yeah, the snake papa. Oh, the snake farmer. That's not what I intended for my snake babies. Yeah. This is what I'm talking about. Not allowing <laughs> I'm talking about. Not allowing your snakes into unforeseeable harm. My snake wasn't prepared for that. <laughs> my snake didn't deserve this. They didn't. They don't know how to cope with this. No snake has ever had this before, man. Get it out of there. No snake therapist is prepared for that trauma to be unfolded. <sighs> <laughs> mhm. Hey, on this on the topic of weird <laughs> porn, remember like <laughs> Yeah. Okay. All right. I mean, remember early on when we were we'd like I don't know how far into our friendship we were, but it was early on and I was like, "Hey, you ever heard of pterodactyl porn?" <laughs> <laughs> and then we watched pterodactyl porn together. on the big screen, the street TV for a disgustingly <gasps> long time. <laughs> When I was in college, I used to play a drinking game with pterodactyl porn. Or with what? Not pterodactyl porn. With just regular porn. And it was every time a woman faked an orgasm, yeah, drank. Every time You're she blessed said, out. oh, yeah, man. We were so shit-faced by the time. Nothing ever happened during porn blackout because you were blacked out. Yeah. But you just went there with the intention to know. To see a funny ha to see some really bad acting. You really want to black out lesbian porn? Let's do it. Oh, <laughs> that'll do it. You I remember having what a fight doing. with a man and in, in a guy in a high school because he was talking about how incredible lesbian porn was. And I was like, you really think that Jessica likes those four inch nails being jammed into her uterus? She doesn't. She wants she you to cut the doesn't. first two fingers short. You see that face that she's making right now? That's not pleasure. She's actively dying. She's been punctured on the inside and has to go to the, the ER. The nails have pinched the inside of her vagina. <laughs> Absolutely not. No, sir. No, thank you. Speaking of porn, our state just banned Pornhub. <gasps> yeah. Which, like... And new porn. Yeah. Which... So, like, I'm not inherently against it. No. I get it. Yes. I am fairly supportive of banning porn sites that encourage trafficking and underage humans being used. I'm glad that you brought that up because those are both websites that have been caught doing that. I'm not, like, I'm not against it. I'm fairly in favor of it, kind of. My issue is when we start banning websites interstate, what else are we banning that they don't agree with? We've talked about TikTok already. Mm-hmm. And, like, TikTok has not been known for Here's using child thing. pornography. <laughs> Why are uh, we banning ch- Have they? Not full on. But the, it is... So here's a hot topic, is that TikTok is often used for child predators. So child predators... so. Let's, so when I did phones, But won't they use anything? They will. But especially with things like TikTok where you're getting paid to make content. And there are these families who are like family bloggers who will just oh, video their tiny children. Me. Or put them in like makeup and mm-hmm. revealing clothes. And here's the thing. They're, they're a child. This is not There's sexual. They're fucking child. But these people sexualize their child. And they can download it. They also... These are the same family... Okay. I have a hot take. It just 
family bloggers upset me so much. So much. As a child. <laughs> fucking much. As a child that was there it is, my groomed rage. early on. Like, these family bloggers are doing it to be, like, positive and whatever. But they're also actively giving out so much information that if someone actually wanted to do something bad, which there are so many people that do, and it's fucked up, but it is the world that we live in. You, I've seen family bloggers post the school that their kids go to. They talk about the city and state that they live in. They show the front of their house so that they can, like, that is easily tracked. They are showing pictures and videos of their child in compromising poses poses and clothes and even doing dances that would be considered sexual as an adult yeah and they're like haha look at little Susie and like I get it your kid is literally the most remarkable thing in the world and you want to show them to everyone mm-hmm. but one there's creeps out there and two your child literally cannot consent to having an online presence mm-hmm. even if we get to adopt our child even if we feel like it is safe to put them online even if that starts happening. We don't want our kid to be allowed to have an online presence until they can fully understand the consequences and ramifications of being able to be online publicly. I sure didn't know those. No. I was told that your online presence lasts forever. That meant nothing to me. You have no idea how that means. And it's not just talking about posting inappropriate photos, Mm -mm. but it's now talking about creating your idea and viewpoint of the world and being hired of other jobs. It's also... We recently, you had, um, you had access to a website that, like, checked out your previous, uh, like, addresses, phone numbers, yeah. and emails, and I was actively scared to look myself up because I was scared of what was going to pop up. I didn't want to know what other people could see. Luckily, the things that I didn't want to be seen were not on there, but that doesn't mean that they're not on a different website. Right. Um, on... Another thing that I wanted to bring up is that even if you are posting the most wholesome, fully clothed, turtlenecked pictures of your children. There are creeps. There are. That are into that. But also AI has gotten to a point. Taylor Swift. Yes, but even before all of this, I'm talking years ago, there were child pornography rings that had the faces of children nude. But the pictures that they came from were fully clothed. Yeah. And so now these child's faces are on child pornography websites and being used in horrible, horrible ways. Horrible ways. Even though it was just a picture of your child in a giant winter coat doing nothing other than showing you a snowball. Like, yes. And like, that's okay. So you want to post your kid because your family and friends can see it. Like, I'm not against that fully. I truly respect, like, you parent how you see fit. Yes. But family bloggers go beyond that. So Mm -hmm. we're talking about, okay, so maybe someone sick can adapt their photo. Okay, so maybe someone gross can imagine that the super appropriate dance that your kid is doing that you're very proud of because they Mm -hmm. learned it could be inappropriate. But now not only are we accessing these children to inappropriate human beings, we are all also now employing your children Mm -hmm. for the public. It's like having them be a Mary-Kate and Ashley Olsen without the profits going to them. Because there's see no protection for them. And they speak against child actors mm-hmm. and actresses because it's not safe for them. Most child actors and actresses say actively, that was fucking horrible. I wouldn't wish that on anyone. On anyone. So now we're doing blog families where these kids are forced to have fun 
with their families during multiple retakes of their having fun. Do these kids even have a structured life to know what fun is? And then here's what's not worse, but also terrible. And if you know what Adeline is, it's about a little girl and her superhero brothers. And there's a really cool family. But this family is literally played to play pretend. And so when you can't replicate that exact family structure, which is mom and dad playing 24-7 because that's all they can see to play pretend, the child's inevitably disappointed because that's how they see a family structure now is AI simulated Hulk smashes everything. Like they're seeing them at the park with effects and at the tender age of a child, that's real. That's Mm -hmm. a real family construct. That's really how families play together every single day. Why can't I have superpowers? Why can't I have superpowers? Why can't you guys spend 12 hours a day just playing? Why do you have to work? This family works for play with their kids. Yeah. Can't you just do that? But you're like, wow, okay, I understand that you want to play all day. I'm for it. Like, Saturday, Sunday, you got me, dude. Mm -hmm. But... What this parent's doing to their child is exploiting their childhood, and that's actually not healthy. You don't want your parents to do that and to post it online every single day. That's not cool. That means that all of your temper tantrums that you have to have and you have to feel, you have to then stop and redo whatever you were doing again. Mm -hmm. And that would suck. Like, you won't enjoy that. Even Even in my childhood, my best friend growing up, I remember fully comparing my family dynamic to theirs. I had divorced parents from the day I was born. I was going back and forth from two different apartments every other week. Um, All of the other things that you guys already know, whereas she had the perfect house, two-story, yeah, quote-unquote, two-story nice house with a big yard, trampoline, a pool, um, parents that loved each other so deeply. Grossly delightful. They had this quote-unquote perfect lifestyle, two little siblings, and they grew up in that house. I remember being mad when they moved. I think in like high school, they moved to a different house. And I was like, you can't do that. You're messing up my ideal. But I remember growing up and seeing that and being like, why the fuck was I not good enough to have that? And right. I remember every time that she wanted to hang out, I wanted to hang out at her house. Every time that we had sleepovers, I wanted to be at her house. Every time that my parents came to pick me up, I hid. Not in, like, the normal kid hiding, like, I don't want to stop playing yet. But, like, why do I have to go back to the hell hole that I live in? Why wasn't I deserving enough? Why am I not good enough to have two parents that love each other in a beautiful house in a beautiful neighborhood? And at least that was real neighborhood? life. We're talking yes. about YouTube. That's what I'm saying. It's like if I felt that strongly with seeing it in person and that even had its own problems. They fought. They had their issues. But on YouTube where it is perfectly edited, everyone looks perfect all the time. They are always happy and smiling and bubbly. And then add in like superhero stuff. Are you joking me? Well, and then not only that, but like there, it is beyond frustrating because it's purposely addictive because Mm -hmm. you get more money per views and it is purposely exploitive because the issues that the kids have if they're amplified then there's more views Mm -hmm. right and so they're exploiting their children's traumas for money and that makes me feel sorts of ways another thing is that as a kid going through that 
I never felt comfortable to say those things to my parents, so they never knew that I felt that resentment. And they never knew that internalized, I am unworthy. I did something in a past You don't have life. the words for that at yeah. that age, though. Like, I mean, just, your feelings are sad. Yes. Angry. Anger. Upsetty spaghetti. So upsetty spaghetti. Will. And just like, I don't know, they, they never wanted to talk to me and find the root of the emotions. So circling way back to the beginning of the episode where I was like, watching you parent Gross. is I, disgusting. <laughs> watching you guys parent is like healing my inner child because I'm watching you actively say, what are you feeling? What got us here? How would you describe that emotion? How can we... What got us here is one what? of my favorite things, man. <laughs> what got us like, here? Whoa. <laughs> what got us here? <laughs> what are you feeling? Angry. Why, though? Yeah, but, like, have you considered why you might be feeling angry? And then all, all of a sudden it's like, because you breathed when... It was supposed to be not breathing time. And you're like, well, have you considered you didn't voice that boundary? No. Maybe and if you, if you did, that I boundary. might not have consented to that boundary. That's another thing that I love doing with your kid <laughs> is that it, because your kid has been like raised on boundaries since they've met you, sometimes they make boundaries that are unrealistic. <laughs> They're so funny, man. I love them. I love Every them. time that we're singing, it's I have a headache. That's a boundary. And I. Respected it for a hot minute. And then it was, have you considered that maybe I don't believe that you have a headache only when we're singing? Have you considered that? Here's the thing. I do want to respect that boundary. Auntie Emma has um, vocal stems and music and songs are one of those really, really big ones. And so sometimes when I need to get this emotion out, it does have to be in a part of a song. And... <laughs> I need to express these emotions. Just like you have to vocal stem sometimes. Yeah. And you have to make these loud sounds. Auntie Emma has to do that. And they were like, okay, I guess you can do that. Yeah. And then immediately it was, how did that spike? <laughs> <laughs> but like... It's a wild home. <laughs> but expressing that and... But actively being like, hey, friend, um, here's the thing. This is why I'm doing it. I'm not doing it to get on your nerves. But also, I hear your boundary and I want to respect it. But knowing myself and who I am as a person, I also know that I'm going to cross that boundary unintentionally without thinking about it, without knowing. I want you to let me know when I am crossing that boundary. But I also need you to be aware that it is a boundary for me that I need to express myself sometimes. And I understand yeah. there are times that I can't do that. Well, and at their age, it's so it's so hard being little. It is like it's so hard. Have you considered being for little. my age? It's, it's so, so hard. hard being twenty four. It's so hard it's being so hard a little guy, man. Like it's <laughs> fucking awful out here. Uh, but it's so hard being little because you have a very small viewpoint of the world, and it's hard to picture yourself in someone else's shoes. Like that's not even a cognitive thing that they're capable of at this age. But also. But also, they, have you considered? <laughs> but also, they have, even though you give them a lot of control, at the end of the day, you give them so much more control than most kids have. But they still have such a small little palm full of control Yeah. that I think that learning about boundaries was like, oh my god. Yes. This is like, 
mind-blowing. I have control over this. I love this feeling. I don't anywhere else. It's but almost then gotten it gets too abused. many boundaries. It gets abused. <laughs> yes. We are now learning. So we've created these beautiful boundaries that we can respect, which is lovely because it's mutual. It's so, a boundary for a kid so to make to their parent. Yeah. If Like, I'm not going to run up and hug the child. I'm going to say, hey, are you, can I have a hug? Or may, yes. I, may I hug you? And a lot of the time, the answer is absolutely not. But a lot of the okay. times, yes, absolutely. Yeah. A lot of the times it's also, I want so many hugs. And I'm like, so thank many. God. They're very all or nothing. And that's delightful. I know that we've talked about this before, but like how many times as a child do you remember being forced to hug or kiss an adult? So many, so many times. Sit so on an adult's lap, Many too. times. Well, even when I was like 24 and I was at Christmas with Ooh. my husband at my family's house, my dad put his hand on my thigh and I told him I was uncomfortable. That was, okay. You I was uncomfortable. Do you remember this? Mm-hmm. Yes. And so then he started doing what he calls the horsey where he like tickles my leg. Where he does Pinching his hand. Yes, and one, it fucking hurts. My little mm-hmm. fat thighs are tender. And two, I hate it. And three, do not touch me, please. I'm literally begging you. So I get up and I move and he follows me. And it's like, sir. Have you not considered? I need a personal boundary. I am uncomfortable. I am in pain. And I am not enjoying how you are touching me. Why do you do feel not entitled? Me. You are not entitled to my leg. You yes. are not entitled to my thigh. You are not entitled to my body. Yeah. And holy shit, is it important to learn these boundaries. That's... But on the other hand, my friend, I gotta scoot your fucking chair in. Like, you spilling spaghetti all over yourself. You mess. I'm just gonna scoot you, scoot you. And you scoot, can't scoot. tell me it's a boundary not to help you scoot your chair when I tell you I'm about to scoot your chair. Yeah. <laughs> Have you considered I gave you a heads up and this is a rule? It's a rule. It's not a boundary. Now that's different. We're learning the difference. And again, being little is hard. <laughs> but also on the topic of your dad grabbing your knee, that is something that my dad did so fucking often. It's, let me just give you a visual, friends. It's so like if you are sitting in a chair and your feet are flat on the ground and he would reach over and pinch like an inch above my knee, not not thumb on top middle finger. Yes, yeah, so thumb on the right side of my knee, yeah. middle finger yeah. on the left side. Same. There is a pressure point there. And for some reason both of our fathers did this and they would just squeeze and it hurts slash almost tickles, but in a horrible way. Horrible. And the amount of times that I would scream at him to stop, or I would say, I don't like that. Please don't do that. That makes me uncomfortable. I really don't like that. It never mattered because he would laugh through the whole thing. He thought it was a funny ha It's not funny. It's and not. And I don't know how calm and how serious I have to be while you are purposely hurting me to tell mm-hmm. you no. Yes. The answer As is no. As an adult, I even was able to convey that. And it was still not respected. And that's when I was like, you know what? If you can't respect my fucking body as an adult engaged woman fuck you it blows my mind that parents male or female mother or father feel like because they birthed you that they have a right to your body at any given time or that they have a right to your attention or your respect is the big one I have said it we, on here. We don't use respect with our mm-hmm. kid because it was such a trigger for us. You must respect us. No. No. You must communicate with us. We do a lot of negotiation in this home. The amount of times that I remember once I had like started to get a backbone and started to place these boundaries that still got crossed but started to like 
voice them what's the word not thoroughly but like just with a firm comment of like this is my boundary you're not going to cross it so about respect so even after I'd sort of placed in those firm boundaries I remember looking at my father and him demanding respect he would get so fucking mad that I would not give him respect and I was so mad he was like you better respect me and like he'd scream it at me and I would say I will not respect you until you have fucking earned it. And he would just fume. He's like, I am your father. Okay. Of course I've earned it. I fucked your mom. You have not acted like a father. You have not respected my boundaries. You have not respected me. You have not been kind. You have not been kind. You have not been patient. You have not been loving. You have not been safe. No. You have done nothing to earn my respect right now. And here's the thing. You're yelling at me for it. Yes. if, If he had done even a combination of some of those he didn't have to hit every it's 30 percent that's it that's it yes 30 percent of connection can create a secure attachment so you're telling me our parents failed over 70 percent of the time yes sorry to be the bearer of bad news but over 70 percent of the time you couldn't respect my boundary of please god don't touch me mm-hmm. here's something that i'd like to share So with the engagement, I have made it very clear, not to my father, because we haven't spoken. He knows that I am engaged, but that is the extent of it. We have not spoken this year, which is not saying much. It's only February, but I still expect it to be another nine months, you know, until he reaches out. I have told my mother and my grandmother and my sister, I will not be walked down the aisle by anyone. No, because you're your own fucking person. I am my own person. I am not property to be given away. But on top of that, this is not something that I have said, but I feel strongly is that neither my mother or my father have fucking earned the right. They haven't. That being said, a couple of things with that is that my mom is pissed. My mother fully believes that she deserves to be the one to walk me down the aisle. I know that I cannot vocalize to her the reasons why because it will not register and she'll just be upset and that's not an argument that i have the time or energy for no she just needs to know that it's not happening but i have this visceral fear and this visceral image of if my father were to show up to the wedding which i think he will as your bridesmaid i will fix that (laughs) i feel strongly that he will show up and expect to walk me down the aisle and i'll have to say no. No. You're here as a guest, sir. I have, like, fantasized about it of just telling him, you haven't earned this. If you wanted to do this, you could have acted like a father. Any, For 25 years. Yeah, any time within the last 25 years. Absolutely. But here's the thing, you didn't. Right. You fucking didn't. So I would appreciate it. I'd appreciate you being here. What a time. Wow. Sit down. Have a fucking seat. If you brought a gift, that's delightful. And then as I walked down the aisle as a bridesmaid, I crop dust him. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Here's another thing. All of my bridesmaids, you and my other two that mm-hmm. I know of, have all threatened to fight. <laughs> and I fucking... I told you I laid out big dick energy. I fucking love that. Here's the thing. All of you know my trauma with my family. And I fully believe that if they show up to my wedding 
and they started saying some unhinged shit like this out episode. of pocket shit <laughs> that one of you if not all of you would come in and just haul that ass out yeah i here's another thing i'll take out hoops bitch yes here's here's the off topic my child <laughs> will take out hoops of bitches Dude, I, bitch. can, I can imagine you giving the green light and then just going ham pterodactyl yes absolutely <laughs> terrible pterodactyls unrelated we will not be doing that <laughs> unrelated but related i saw this post recently of this woman who at her wedding she didn't even realize it but someone showed up in white and all of her bridesmaids were taking shot glasses of wine and pouring it on her walking past Dumping it on that dress. Absolutely, I would do that for you. <laughs> like, I would actually... Look, I'm so klutzy. <laughs> I'd spill my wine glass on the front. Oh, no. Here's, Sorry, I drink only red wine. Here's the thing. Realistically, I don't think that I would care if someone would show up pouring, wearing... Yeah. No, hold on. Wearing white. It just looks bad on them, not you. First of all, I'm so pale. I'm scared to wear white on my wedding day. <laughs> Understandable. Yeah. But, like, I'm... Again... This wedding is not going to be traditional. I I am probably going to walk down the aisle barefoot or in Doc Martens. Mm. Love both ideas. I am not going to have a traditional bouquet. It's going to be all greenery. Um, I don't really care what the bridesmaids wear. Um, mm-hmm. One of my bridesmaids is a man. Yeah. I he's going to be beautiful. He's going to be so I will let you know that him and I are going to coordinate outfits so lovely. I believe it. Thank you. You should probably get in contact with him because he's very nervous about it. I cannot wait. <laughs> and you hate velvet, right? <laughs> I want that so bad. That's a boundary. <laughs> Visceral no. But, like, I don't plan on tossing my bouquet. I don't plan on being handed off, like, given away i don't want to do my vows in front of people no i honestly i'm just here for my partner and then for the fucking party that's what i care about I'm here for the party yep and then also here's another thing the family members that do show up if they don't want to see me get down and dirty at the party they should leave by they day. should fucking leave sorry because I'm going to make sure that I have a jumpsuit bridesmaid dress mm-hmm. so that when I throw it back, yep. it's appropriate in front of my child. That's another thing is I'm scared because I don't know how to dance. But I know that when I get drunk, I want to throw it back. But I don't think I throw it back well. <laughs> As a married bitch, you throw it back well enough. Hell yeah, bitch. <laughs> All right. You know what? We're at a minute. We're at a minute, 22 seconds. That's not true. We're at uh-huh. an hour, 22 <laughs> before edit. We gotta go. I'm gonna go to bed. It's 10 o'clock on a Valentine's and I'm married. No, Hannah. It is 9.59 on a Valentine's. I gotta get banged. (laughs) (laughs) We love you so much. We love you so, 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 so much. Happy Valentine's. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. That's the wrong button. Every time. I try to think, but it hurts my brain. So I have an abortion and a fine champagne. I'm a Jezebel. I'm a wicked witch. I'm an ugly, nasty, commie bitch. Weekends when I want some fun, castrate a man, take away his guns, drive a classic car into a ditch. I'm an ugly, nasty, commie bitch. Well, I know I am, but what are you? Some fascist bootleg Nazi tool, whiny boy with a tiny dick, or a dumb fuck redneck backward hick. Did I get it right? Peg you yet? Maybe we don't know who we ain't met. Maybe nobody wins, but the already rich. If you're a dumb.